It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability from The Athletic. He's our good friend, Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, guys. Hanging in there. How you doing? Hey, we are doing good, and you've been uh, optimistic with us for really probably throughout all of this, but specifically over the past two, three weeks, we're now starting to see some uh, momentum, or at least it feels like it, Sam. The optimism's got to be at an all-time high, right? Yeah, no, I think for sure. In fact, even as we sit here chatting, I'm putting together a story that that hopefully will go up in the morning, trying to analyze the kind of the lay of the land and get into the, the kind of the myriad of issues that the league continues to try to navigate through. But, yeah, I mean, my contention all the way through, as you guys know, is the optimism was always there. They, um, I think Adam Silver and his group went out of their way to kind of, you know, play it down, even within private conference calls with owners and GMs um, out of sensitivity for the situation. But behind the scenes, they were always pushing pretty hard to make this happen you know, but the one thing that that has not changed at all, you know, both then and now, is that they're they're holding their breath that there's not you know another major uptick when it comes to cases, and so they're having to monitor the the uh, the virus itself. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm certainly handicapping that some version of the season will happen. Yeah, it's fluid. It just seems like it keeps on flowing one way or the other, and we're all waiting to see how it's going to turn out, but. What you make, uh, Sam, of the poll that was taken of the players or non-poll, whoever you're going to believe one way or the other, what we do know is that the, the temperature was taken, the tone and tenor were taken into consideration as far as how the players are feeling about going back to playing again. Unlike Major League Baseball, it seems like this might be quite a bit smoother than what baseball is dealing with. Well, I think two things there guys partly um you know the fact that if the baseball guys are obviously having to chew on the prospect of you know whatever this new reality is of doing it for quite some time you know whether it's six months or you know it's a long haul and i think they were trying to get to 82 games uh and so the impact on family the impact on health and the risks of that environment worry those guys obviously um with the basketball group you can tell that a lot maybe most of players and owners and coaches are looking at it like they're pretty darn close to the finish line here if you could do six weeks you know something something like that you can get this thing done and you know you're talking about a ton of cash that you get because of that that you you kind of stop the bleeding financially so that's a major distinction that i would make but on the player front I'll be honest, I don't know if I 100% believe the idea that it's a, you know an overwhelming majority of players who want to play, and I don't know if we're ever going to know that because I think the culture of today's NBA is such that it's a star-driven league, and once you have things like a conference call with Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard, 
getting on a phone call together and agreeing unilaterally that they want to play. Um, the man, like the scope of those guys' voices and, and the other stars that were on that call, it just I think it, it drowns out the uh, kind of the worker bees of their group, if that makes sense. And I'm not sure we're ever going to know like the true representation, but but certainly the way it's being framed right now is that that players want to play. So with all that in mind, Sam, what would be the biggest hurdle that we're looking at right now? Is it is it still the testing? Uh, no, I would. It's a good question. In fact, Jake, you're you're helping me. Uh, I was struggling on the writing front. I think you're helping me crystallize what I was trying to write here. Like, like no, the I think it's the optics. Um, honestly, I continue to hear that they don't have very many doubts that they could get the test that they need to get the job done. They just don't want to take all of those tests if the uh, you know if the public at large is still not getting the treatment that it needs. And, and the optics and the PR connected to that do concern Adam, do concern people with the league. And that's something they're fighting right now on a bunch of different fronts. Um, you know, even as you look at some of these cities that are being considered for, you know, the end of the season, you have, and this is in the same category of optics, you have um, a process happening where, the league will kind of start, you know, uh, kind of unofficially tying itself to certain politicians like Ron DeSantis in Florida. Okay, so Orlando is an option. Uh, their governor um, has had some bad PR moments. He couldn't put his mask on properly a couple of weeks ago. That kind of had people thinking that he was a, a clown who wasn't taking this seriously. Fair or not, those were the optics. And then the NBA sees stuff like that, and it makes them nervous. They, they want to have their legacy be that they took this seriously. You know, out in Nevada, you have Carolyn Goodman, the mayor of Vegas. Now, to be fair, and ironically, she actually has no oversight over the Strip itself uh, because that falls outside city limits. But Carolyn did a a really uh, kind of a disastrous interview with Anderson Cooper on CNN, and she looked like she wasn't taking it seriously enough. And, you know, and lo and behold, that made the NBA nervous. So they're... Just kind of, you know, that's where it remains fluid, and that's where they're trying to to figure out where can we go to not only keep everybody healthy to get our money back, uh, but to not have the, you know bad headlines, if you will. So, Sam, I want to get back to something you said a minute ago about those NBA players who are not stars who may be underrepresented. How can their voice be heard? That what uh, is that frustrating? Have you gotten a sense of frustration from some of the rank and file as far as the way this goes down? I haven't yet. No, not not from the rank and file. I did. So I spoke to a GM who who did have some frustration um, over that topic because he um, had him on one of the conference calls and kind of made a comment that he felt like sent this message that. You know that that he was consulting with the stars and following that lead, and that was kind of all that mattered. Um, and so that's where the union, the players' union, you know, it's it's always it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, in terms of how they build themselves. Meaning, you know, years ago, Derek Fisher was the president, and you know, you felt like that that the rank and file were represented largely because a guy like Derek Fisher, a role player, um, was one of them. And, 
you know, he would have a certain perspective and, and they would be accounted for. But, you know, with, you know, over time, the stars started looking at the union and saying, and, you know, we make all the money for this league. Like we need to have better representation. So now it's a, it's a veritable all-star team on the union board. You know, it's guys like Steph Curry, CJ McCollum, uh, Chris Paul is the president. So it's a very different look. So I don't, you know, I don't know how they get represented. You know, this, this vote that, like you said, you know, I mean, it did happen. There was regional representatives who sent out text messages. Now, obviously, the left hand might not have known what the right hand was doing within the union. Um, so I don't know what the final results of that were. But, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure what the – I mean, it's a good question. I just don't know the answer. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us on your NBA Daily Assist. But, Sam, I want to ask you a question uh, that actually relates more to college football, and I want to ask you a question as a Californian. Uh, Gordon and I have been talking about the Pac-12 and obviously the University of Utah and what a, a college football season might look like with states like Utah who are not as restricted as states uh, like California. But I think a lot of people get confused in the news when they see what L.A. County's doing, which is pertaining to them as opposed to other places in a really giant state. You're there in Sacramento. Can you tell us exactly how restrictive it is across the state of California and how they're dealing with reemerging? So there's varying degrees of it. Um, up here in Northern California, the numbers on a relative basis are pretty darn good. Um, and so it's very different from L.A., L.A. County, um, you know, that entire area, Southern California. So you know, I, I have good friends down there who I'm talking to almost every day, and, and it's there's a stark contrast between – kind of the vibe between them and their neighbors there. You know, you hear stories about, I mean, if you're going outside and even to take a walk down the street and you're not putting your mask on, you might get a kind of a weird look from somebody. Um, around here, uh, you know, you put your mask on if you go in a store, um, you know, things of that nature, but it's a little more lax. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, across the state, though, it's still – Obviously, a, a serious matter. I mean, we're not anywhere near the category of a New York or something like that, but you know, the numbers are not great. So, it's a slow reopening. Um, you know, the Kings opened their facility last week. Um, the Lakers, I think, are trying to do it very soon here. So, you know, you're seeing progress, but um, LA, far and away, is, has been the hotspot for the entire state. Sam, if uh, if we made you emperor of the world, we ask you some version of this question every week. But if you were all powerful and you could formulate the 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 end of the season any which way, uh, according to what you think is in uh, is a wise thing to do, how would you form it? Man. Gordon, like right out the gate, I realized I don't want that power because the pressure <laughs> you got my my stress level just went up in my in my head. Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that because here's where my head goes. My general nature is to be um, somewhat virtuous, which is to say, I'm nervous about putting people in harm's way. We'll see you for the 2020-2021 season. But doing that and going ultra-conservative, 
um, it glosses over the fact, and this is the data that I just don't have access to, is that, and this you can attest to this in Salt Lake City with the Jazz, you know, that it's not as if that is some sort of foolproof, you know, conservative, safe way to get out of this thing, and there's no price being paid. You then would have more layoffs uh, around a lot of these teams. And that's where this discussion is so hard right now because, you know, we all can understand the concept of people getting sick and dying. Um, it's a little bit harder to quantify the price being paid from a human standpoint for a layoff, for an economic struggle that might then lead to other types of struggles. You know, so I don't know. Um, I, I just, the whole thing, I don't envy Adam Silver right now because it has to be incredibly um, stressful on him and uncomfortable because, like I said earlier, every time you try to strategize, you know, within the confines of some of these different state governments, you, know, you think you find a good ally and then their ethos, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason, they might say something or do something, you know, doesn't line up with yours and, and you might need to retool and find another plan. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's tough, you know, um, I, but there are plenty of people who just think they need to take a bath on the massive amounts of money that they're going to lose because I mean, I know I'm, not answering your question directly, Gordon, but my last thought would be this. It dawned on me the other day that, you know, we've kind of glossed over the fact that all of these options involve the league going to great lengths to finish the season, like very unnatural lengths. You know, they're they're going to a city to put everybody in the same city because travel is dangerous still. Um, you know, they are a long, long, long ways away from playing games in the NBA venues you know, that were built for these respective teams. And so um, that point, to me, just, you know, that, that's where you can still make an argument that they they should just wait until the, uh, the trouble passes. But obviously that's not what we're going to see here. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, Sam, given the tenor of how the Jordan docuseries has, has been with Jordan talking about his opponents, and given that he's already gone after Brian Russell in his Hall of Fame speech, of all things, is Brian just going to get roasted in these last two segments or, or uh, episodes or what? Is that rhetorical? I feel like that's rhetorical. <laughs> I, I, I ask it uh, in jest a little bit, half in jest. Yes. How about that? It, I do think that will happen. It'll be added to the long list of people who have taken shots from Michael in this documentary. It's funny, though, that the way it's been edited, the way the storytelling went, it wasn't, you know, you, you, over the course of all these episodes, it almost snuck up on you in terms of, like, how pointed some of his jabs or criticisms were. Um my friend and colleague Rachel Nichols at ESPN did a great segment where she and her producers they, they tallied all of the insults up from you know to that point for the entire documentary, and it, it just kind of put it into a, a whole different perspective because she was basically going through okay this crack that he made at uh, this teammate yada yada and you see all these names and faces and it's been a lot man I mean it's and that's classic Jordan you know we saw that never more so than the Hall of Fame speech, and he's still doing that right now. I mean, in the latest episode, the way that he laughed at Gary Payton, because Gary thought that he actually had a crack at him, um, Isaiah Thomas before that. 
you know, again, even even Scotty, like he's been tough on Scotty at different times in this doc. So uh, I definitely do not think that uh, the Byron Russell is, is going to get away from that. Yeah, we're, we are curious here to see how that's going to go because, Sam, we lived through that. I covered it. Uh, Jake was watching as all of this was unfolding. And, and you'll wonder if it's a reflection of Jordan's outlook on life, that he is the alpha dog that's uh, with this voracious competitive appetite that's going to just eat everything, you know, consume everything. And I wonder right. what his respect level will be for those Utah Jazz teams uh, because they can't just – they're going to have to highlight that to some extent. That is the crescendo here, isn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, that is that, – that's his mentality. You know, that's his personality. Um, I saw an article the other day I thought was interesting about the fact that Luke Longley was mysteriously absent from the entire documentary – now Luke is coaching over in Australia, and the director of the doc, Jason Hare, was interviewed and quoted saying essentially that that Luke it was two things that Luke was you know generally not like an incredibly relevant I mean he's a relevant player for their three of their championship teams, but not the most outspoken guy, and so they they didn't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars to send the whole crew over to Australia to interview him. But, and this was a, an Australian outlet that wrote the story. It also made it clear in the piece that, you know, Luke uh, clearly had no interest in talking about Michael, that some of the, the kind of the, the damage that was done back in the day might still be lingering. So that's kind of what you see there. And even, you know, you hear Steve Kerr talk about Michael, even people who are heavily featured in the documentary, and that's one of my favorite parts is how they don't sugarcoat the fact that, you know, he just, he wasn't beloved um, by his teammates. He just wasn't. And guys, Steve, I think was the one who said that you'd get out of practice and, and guys would look at each other and just be like, man, I need a break from that dude. You know, I mean, that's, that's who he is for sure. Sam, you are the best. Thank you very much for jumping on with us as always. And we'll look forward to that next piece at the athletic. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you, too. The great Sam Amick from The Athletic joins us every Thursday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Poor Brian Russell, Gordon. He's in for it, isn't he? But really, come on. You're going to pick on Brian Russell, really? You're going to be he a did bully. it at his Hall of Fame speech. I know. Oh, my I gosh. Know. How, how much of a... Uh, uh, a nut do you have to be to hold on to something like that and go after him in your Hall of Fame speech? That is, but did Brian that is pop media. Off? That is media. Did, did, did Brian pop off and, and say, uh, "I got this guy. I can. I'm, I'm going to stop this guy." I don't. I don't remember that part. I think if that, it was true, I think all that happened was Jerry thought that Brian would do would would be the Jazz' best chance to stop Michael. And that apparently he, he. he parlayed that into uh, some sort of insult. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll find out. I'm sure he's going to talk about it, right? As yeah. as poor Brian sitting there getting shoved in the back. I'm sure Michael will well, will have something uh, to say about it. We see, we see it before every episode. The shot, the 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 move where he he does that and he he sheds uh, Brian Russell and he elevates and releases the ball and then they cut away. Gosh, I can't imagine what happens thereafter. I, but how will how will Jordan treat the Jazz? 
I will they just be bit players? Will they be the Washington Generals? Or will they be more than that? Because we are talking about John Stockton and Carl Malone here. I mean, these guys aren't aren't exactly, uh, you know, chop liver. But it seems like anybody who approaches or even suggests or anyone suggests about them that they were great players, all that does is piss Jordan off more. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm really curious. I think I'm like everybody else around here who's who's really, really eager to see how they're por- portrayed. You know, Jordan's been sniping at individual players, but uh, and I can't remember which one of our daily assist guys uh, said this. Maybe it was maybe it was Sam who said that they seem to be portraying the teams as a whole as formidable, like it was a monumental. Uh, was it Phil Rosenthal? Yeah. Like it's it was a monumental task to get by these teams, but individually, Jordan's been much more dismissive about players. So I wonder. Well, I wonder if the team as a whole will be portrayed as a really great team, but Jordan will still say, you know, how dare they even put Brian Russell on me? You know. However, I mean, you've got you. You can't ignore the fact that Stockton and Malone are involved here. I mean, you know. well, how much of John will they include? Because I doubt he had much nice to say since he refused to do the interview and be a part of Michael Jordan's puff piece, his words. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we're going to we don't have to wait that much longer to find out. But uh, there will be a uh, clip from John that says, yeah, I was there. And then that's the, la- the last time we'll see him in the whole series. What's the likelihood that uh, anybody involved with the jazz will compliment Michael Jordan and say, wow. What a great player. Uh, You'll hear that, I bet. You'll hear that. I do remember uh, talk interviewing Jordan as a part of a group interview after that game six. And spoiler alert, but, uh, you know, the Jazz did lose that game. But uh, afterward, he said... Hi, do you hear me? This was the toughest one. This, this, This was the toughest challenge. And that stayed with me because I thought that was really saying something. I wonder if, if he'll contradict that or whether he'll he'll repeat something along those lines uh, come Sunday night. All right. Well, more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.